Hello, Internet. This is Chase Wassenaar, and welcome to the Steam Cleaners podcast presented by the Rough Drafts Podcast Network. I am very excited to talk about two completely different games than games that Walter and I have ever talked about. And of course, when I say Walter, I'm referring to my lovely co-host, Walter Siedis Fudchuk. Walter, how are you doing, buddy? I am doing very, very well. Uh, it has been it's been a pretty good weekend, a pretty busy weekend. I just a few hours ago got my uh, my COVID uh, bivalent booster shot and my flu shot to prepare uh, to go to New York City in a couple of weeks for the uh, quarterfinals of the League of Legends World Championships. And uh, on Sunday, I baked bread for the first time. I don't know. I think I mentioned on the podcast that I was smoking my own bacon. Uh, we had a D&D session that I was at my house and we, uh, I cooked dinner. So I decided I had smoked this bacon. I was going to do BLTs to really show off the bacon. And I was like, well, what else extra thing can I do? Hey, I got a bunch of rye flour from when I made some Ukrainian honey cookies. Let me just bake a couple loaves of rye bread and, uh, kind of difficult. It's kind of hard to do it. Uh, I like the bread turned out edible, um, but it definitely could use some improvement. So there is your uh, your cooking thirty seconds with Walter Cades Fedchuk. Well, there you go. I think the answer, of course, you should reach out to a friend of the pod, Kristen Pignolo, who also loves to bake bread. Um, it is a process. It is a fundamentally adjusting little things bit by bit. But I appreciate the ambition behind it. I, I have tried to do bread and other uh, dough based things recently, but. I, I feel like all of my energies have been spent on that HelloFresh life. Not a plug, just really like having boxes of ingredients sent to me so I don't have to be in the supermarket, which I hate doing. Um, but uh, that's where my cooking skills have focused on. That and, of course, a game that we've both been playing together in Played Up, which I don't think we've played enough to be able to review yet, but... If people would be interested in watching a stream at some time, I do feel like that could be a good time. Uh, yeah, at some point down the line. Yeah, absolutely. It was kind of wild how I it's like the second time we played it, we were doing it just to kill some time between worlds games, and we just like were crushing it, like just absolutely crushing it. And then it's like, okay, well, we need to take a break because like Chase needs to cook dinner, and I I was like, hey, I'll just take a break. And then the second we came back, we immediately failed. So <laughs> it was <laughs> it's fun. It was very fun, and that failure was entirely my fault. I thought I was being so big brain moving some ingredients around, and it all collapsed in on itself. But you know what? This is not a played-up podcast. This is not even a podcast uh, in which we talk about uh, the League of Legends World Championship, though I'm sure we'll have our, our little bits and pieces here as we continue forward through that event. We are here to talk about some games, Walter, and I gotta ask, what have you been playing? So I have been teasing for episodes that I was finally going to play Stray, and, and I did. I have finally played Stray, and I am kicking myself that I didn't play it sooner uh, because it was like a five-hour game. Like, I easily could have squeezed this in at any point. Um, but I will say that this game was a, a little bit different for me because I played it with my partner, like, sitting next to me watching it. And it was one of those things where she had watched streams of it. I had seen, seen you know, the, the marketing for it. I was like, I really want to play it. And I avoided watching streams, watching YouTube videos, anything, because I wanted to experience it myself. Um, but she was like, well, I want to watch you play it. Like, she enjoys watching people play video games. 
And weirdly enough, she like likes me. She likes listening to my voice. So she was like, I want to watch you play it. Um, so we sat down on two of our like designated date nights and, and played through it. And this is a lovely, lovely little game. You are a stray cat um, leaping across a dystopian city trying to find your way back outside of what is like a domed enclosed city um a lot of puzzle elements a lot of you know platforming traversing the city uh parkour style i i would kind of say um and yeah there's like collectibles there's a lovely little story going on in the background and i i had a lot of fun playing this game this was this was a really a lot of fun so let's start with the most important question when it comes to a game like Stray, which is that you get to play as a cat. How well does it recreate the cat experience in your mind? Well, you can meow. You absolutely can meow. There is a there is a dedicated meow button. Um, there is like there's bottles and buckets and things all over the place that are purposely placed at edges so you can bat them down and, and you know knock them onto the ground. Although we did notice like there was no breaking. There was very few items that, like, broke. So, like, if you knocked the bottle over, it didn't break. You know, not knocked it off, like, not just, like, knocked it over, but, like, knocked it off of a height. It wouldn't, like, shatter, which was, like, part of why I would want to knock over a coffee cup or a beer bottle or anything like that. Um, but, yeah, it was, it felt, it felt, I am not a cat, nor have I ever been a cat. So I can't speak to the actual realism of the graphics or physics or anything like that. Um, but yeah, for being third person, it did feel like you were a cat moving about the city and and leaping around and, and finding your own paths, uh, you know, up and around obstacles and through obstacles. So it, it felt pretty fun and realistic. And I felt like a cat. I absolutely felt like a cat. Well, that's, I think, uh, the most important thing with a game like this is how it embraces its theming and it does look really fun I, i've seen rt games let's play of it so i'm familiar with more here than i have been with some of the other games that you've played but i i do think that you know it's the little environmental things right like with hades it comes down to being able to pet cerberus in between runs and with here it's just setting up the ability to like scratch at a post right and, and get some claw marks in the wall that uh really mark your spot uh, i know that there's obviously uh, a lot of platforming elements and then that kind of puzzle solving how smooth did that feel compared to some of the other games you've played in the past uh, i would say the the platforming and parkouring was very smooth it was pretty easy to identify where you could go because there is an option to just turn on the like quick time you know button press that you would need to do so um it was very easy to tell like oh here's where you can go from this point um i didn't feel like any of the puzzles were too challenging once you found them i will say that because this is like a dystopian city that sometimes it is a little bit cluttered and you kind of get lost in where you're supposed to go or what you're supposed to be looking for um but my partner sitting next to me was a wonderful set of t uh you know second pair of eyes to kind of point me in the right direction on some of them um i i didn't th i don't think i failed any of the puzzles i i did i did die a few times luckily enough you have you know uh, infinite nine number of lives 
Um, and that was just like me just bum rushing through some of the, the enemy sections and just being a little bit dumb and bullheaded. Um, cause I was like, I'm enjoying this. I want to keep playing. I want to keep moving forward. The story is an interesting and engaging. Um, yeah, I, I would say like mechanically it was very fluid. It just made a lot of sense. Um, there wasn't a lot of hangups on things and the puzzles were not, the puzzles weren't always obvious which way you could go or they had multiple ways that you could sort of traverse them. So um, it definitely took full advantage of the acrobatic nature and leaping ability and, and you know, small package that a cat would have. Yeah, which, I mean, the, the environmental world building of this game, I think, is one of the strengths when you look at the visuals and how well it positions itself for you to take advantage of all of those uh, cat uh, abilities. Um, I, you, you talk about the story a bit, and, and the story is certainly interesting in that so much of it seems to be built on these kinds of memories that you can unlock. Did you unlock all of the memories? Or are you, uh, how, did you feel the need to explore the, the full story of uh, what had happened through the eyes of... I believe it's in, like an AI possessed by a former human right yeah like, yes yeah so at some point you are introduced to this little little like droid thing called b12 sort of reminds me of the droid from flubber uh, that that helps robin williams character um and that is where you are collecting the memories it, it's their memories that you're collecting it's not the cat's memories um and i didn't collect all of them um I don't want to say I didn't feel the need to collect all of them, but I wasn't playing this to 100%. And I wasn't being like, okay, I got to get all the achievements. I got to find all the unlockables. Like, it was more of, you know, me and my partner sitting here being like, okay, I just want to, like, play through the game and, and let it guide me and let it take me where I'm supposed to go. Um, there were definitely some, some good little twists. I think kind of the final twist regarding... Um, the Oh, there's, like, two twists. There's, there's a twist about the identity of this this little droid that's helping you um, and, and it turning out that he was a human uh, and that the, the final, the ending um, sort of what actually happened to this sort of enclosed city and the consequences of actions and, and why everyone is sort of trapped in here. I think they're very good twists that, you know, when they happen, like, okay, they're kind of obvious dystopian sci-fi android type tropes but it it wasn't so obvious that i was like oh my god like come on lazy writing um it felt like there was a diversity of characters around you once you sort of get into the more populated areas of the city that a lot happens with nobody talking there is very little dialogue and a lot of it is um, sort of transposed purely through the missions but there's not like there's dialogue happening as you pass by people on the street where you're you know getting the little quips or little like daily life type things it's you go and you introduce yourself to someone and they say like maybe one line and then unless they're a quest giver they just constantly like just repeat that one line until you know certain story moments happen and then they might have like a second line or anything oh by the way all the people are are robots like mm -hmm. everyone you meet is robots there are there are no humans left. In fact, the only other organic life that you interact with, uh, other than yourself and the few cat friends you have at the very beginning of the game, are these, uh, they call them zerks, and basically they're mutated bacteria 
um, that they're like little blobs. They're they're kind of I would like to say they are sort of like the um, the race of, of aliens from Halo, where they just kind of swarm after you and chase you and, and jump on top of you, and then you have to like shake them off. Uh, the flood. Like I, I would equate them to like they're they're this hob parasite mentality, um, which you know they're not that hard to deal with. There is you know like a button mash if they jump on you to get off of them. And I will say there is one um, one level you know aspect where if you don't like the scene from Jurassic Park where the T Rex like looks into the car and you don't like like eyeballs looking at you, if you're not a fan of Nightmare from Soul Calibur. And the the level is is very creepy. There's a lot of eyeballs staring at you, big pulsating eyeballs. It's kind of it's a little off putting. But if you can get past that, the rest of the game then really opens up and uh, and you know relies mostly on these sort of dilapidated cityscapes. Um, but yeah, the story is it's very interesting. It's straightforward, and when you hit the plot points, you're like, yep, that makes sense, but not in a way that like insults your intelligence. Right. I definitely loved like watching the let's plays that I've seen, you know, this idea of like these robots kind of emulating human experience, right? Like they understand the beats that you're meant to have in order to be a living being, but obviously they don't have the same needs that an organic being would. And so you have a lot more um, of, of this kind of uh, acting out the remnants of what is essentially a lost civilization by that point. Um, which is a really interesting kind of angle to take things from a world-building perspective. And so I, I, I think there's a lot that this game does seem to get right. Was there anything you wish that it had done? Anything that you would have liked to see improved if we were to get, say, a stray to even more cats? I want it longer. Um, the the ending sort of, like, I I feel like as I was, like, going through the game you know you you unlock the big core memories right and there's like kind of five of those that you're getting to and as they open up like you're like oh i'm kind of getting close and i'm kind of getting close and and the goal is you're trying to reach the top of the city you're trying to reach the top of the city and escape out into the outside world um and as you're like climbing up you're like oh shit i'm kind of getting i'm kind of getting up there and i it, my playthrough was like four hours uh four hours and 4.3 hours according to steam um, and you know, I got to the ending and it was all very, very satisfying and I loved it. And I was like, damn, I wish there was more to it. I wish it was longer. I wish there was more to experience down there. And I don't think that was the point. I think that it was supposed to be this sort of quicker experience of traveling through because you're, you know, you're a cat. Time is very different for you compared to other, you know, these other beings, especially the fact that they are robots that just live forever. Um, so yeah, I mean, beyond that, maybe the complexity of the puzzles make them a little bit more difficult. Um, and you know, maybe if you have all this space to explore and you you add a little bit more in terms of collectibles or difficulty in finding the collectibles or things like that. but but honestly, like I don't think there's much I would change. I just want to I want more. I want more of it. I want it to be a little bit longer. I want to spend more time with it. I do want to feel the need to like go back and explore further because people are like, oh, well, there's like three different endings that you could possibly get or something like that. Um, 
And I do, I do want to like make a point about you saying these robots emulating humans. Like there's multiple moments where there are robots that are growing plants. And that's something that's very consistent across the entirety of the game is sort of the care of like plant life. Cause that's the only other organic life that exists um, besides, you know, the few cats and, and the Zerks. You don't see any other animals. You don't see mice. You don't see dogs. You don't see squirrels. You don't see any of these things. And you do learn through some of the, the, the small amount of, um, you know, written dialogue or books or things that you might run into that the uh, plants that exist down here had been biologically engineered and changed to exist in these low light areas. So they, they don't need a lot of care, but there is a robot tending to, you know, a tree or tending to a bush or watering a, you know, a, a flower, or there's one robot that you interact with later on that they turned their bathroom because robots don't need a bathroom into a greenhouse essentially and it's just all all plants and uh, melissa my partner loved that moment because she loves plants and she's like that's my perfect room right there like that's amazing i would love to have that many plants just existing in a space um but yeah like what could it improve i i want some more sir can i please have some more which is the best problem that a game can have right is that there's just you were enjoying it so much you didn't want it to stop. Though it sounds like you weren't enjoying it so much that you went back to 100% it. Um, I, which I get... For, for me, and we've talked about this, I'm not a completionist, so there is no... I, I experienced the story. And from what I've seen sort of outside of, you know, looking at, you know, Reddits or other, like, Let's Plays, like, once you've done the story, you've done the story. Like, mm -hmm. sure, could I go back and unlock every single achievement... Absolutely. There's an achievement for you to die nine times. Am I going to go back and get that? To me, it's like, what's the point? Why, why would I do that? Just so I can have a particular achievement unlocked in my Steam account? Like, no, that's, that's a waste of my time. What I would prefer is, hey, like, I, I'll treat this like I treat, you know, the Stanley uh, parable or I treat the beginner's guide. Like, I played it and now I'm going to like, I enjoyed it. And I'm going to forget the game exists for like two years. And then there'll be one day, it'll probably be snowy outside, really cold. I'll be really bored and I'll, I'll be choked on by this, this indecision of what I want to play or what I want to watch. And I'll just start scrolling through my, my Steam library and I go like, oh, hey, Stray. Like, oh shit, I haven't played that game in a while. And I'll download it and I'll play it. And maybe then will be the moments that I get some of these other achievements or whatever. But then I'll remember why I enjoyed the game so much, what I enjoyed about it, the experience. I'll still remember kind of the story as it comes back to me in my, my head, but I'll get to like re-experience it with some fresh eyes. And instead of just focusing on like, well, what's going to happen next? Instead, I can then start focusing on like, okay, well, what is the point of all these robots? Like what is now, what are they now trying to tell me about this, you know, obsession with the plant life and, and making these things work and still having jobs and stuff. Like there's still like, there's bars and there's bartenders and there's, uh, you know, people painting and there's shopkeepers and there's a laundromat. Like why the fuck does a robot need a laundromat? And actually it's kind of weird. Why are all these robots wearing clothes? Like you can start to think about sort of those things and then explore the area to try and figure out why those things are like that. 
And ultimately, it probably is that they want to feel this connection with humanity because humanity is gone. And they don't want to lose that. And them wearing clothes and them taking care of plants and them taking care of you, you know, are part of them paying homage to humanity, which are ultimately their creators. So I say, yeah, I don't feel the need to go back to 100%. That's just because that's me. But like, I paid... I paid 30 bucks for the game. And even though it was only four and a half hours, I feel like I got my money's worth. And I feel like the developers and, and deserve every single penny that I gave, gave them because it was a really fun, unique experience that I got to share with my partner. Yeah. I do think there's a reckoning in how some people uh, in the gaming world evaluate value by the number of hours spent in an experience rather than how much the experience affected them and, and mattered to them along the way. Um, my game's going to have a lot of very similar points, I'll be honest. But before I get to it, I want to ask you, do you recommend this game? I 100% absolutely recommend the game. Um, if you are someone that, you know, sticker shock, you want your, your price point to match hours played, you want some good ratio... I get it. If this ever goes on sale, fucking buy the game. I would spend. I would just spend the thirty dollars like I did and just play it. It's fun. It's a good experience. And ultimately, like you could throw some music on in the background and just like play around in the city as a cat and just run around and explore everything and look at you know go into every little nook and cranny that you possibly can get into because there's like five different areas that you could explore. There's like there's definitely two solid city sections that aren't like it's not super massive cyberpunk seven you know 2077 style sprawling wasteland but like there's still a good size that you can explore and jump up on and see these little interactions and you know experience what these robots are living and what life would be like in in this kind of area um it's there if you don't want to pay 30 bucks, I mean, hey, that's your decision. But I would say 100% it's worth it. Any place that gives this a nine, you know, nine, nine and a half, ten are, are absolutely on board with it. Um, I won't say it's a perfect game because there's no such thing as perfect, but this is pretty fucking close if you ask me. Uh, but Chase, you did tease about uh, what you had been playing. Uh, did you also have a joyous experience as a small mammal traversing a dystopian universe uh no i did not have a joyous experience in fact my game was focused on the exact opposite emotion from joy uh, but it was a four to five hour game that i found to be quite beautiful and entrancing and i'm very glad i played and that would be gree uh gree was an indie game by uh, uh published by devolver digital by a studio, Nomada Studio, who I don't think has done anything since this. At least not that I can find. Um, and it is a puzzle platformer that is very much centered on the concept of grief. The very beginning of this game, uh, the protagonist, Gree, is in these stone hands uh, being lifted up that suddenly collapse and fall apart. And she falls into a world that is now removed of color, in which she is barely able to move at all. 
this slow, meandering pace as she tries to force herself forward through a world that now feels unrecognizable. And slowly but surely, you make your way through the game, start building yourself back up again, and bring color back into this world. That's what this game is about. And Walter, I don't know, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to uh, ask you and all the lovely people at home to go look up Gree and see some screenshots of this game because the central appeal of this game is it is one of the most visually beautiful games I have ever played. Um, I played this with my roommate who is not much of a gamer but does really enjoy artistic vision, really. And this game is unlike anything I have ever played before. Um, you just look at the use of color and the way that it just, every screenshot is a painting. Um, that's a, a, a YouTube channel that used, uh, that used to do like film critique and whatnot, but this is a game that very much qualifies under this idea. It's just stunning to look at and traverse and build back bit by bit as your protagonist learns how to live again. Um, it's a really powerful game, one that I found myself entranced by all the way through. And I just, it's one that's really stuck with me in a way that honestly makes me regret listening too much to the critics that I respected at the time who called it pretentious or thought that it just wasn't, it didn't have enough to say as a game. Because I gotta tell you, not only is it beautiful, and not only does it have a clear message and clear themes it want to explore, but it is some really smooth platforming that felt so satisfying to navigate. What, what made you want to play it? Like, what drew you specifically to this game? Because, I'll, like, I'll be honest, I've I've seen the hype about it. I've probably seen some of the same critics, um, you know, kind of ad admonish it. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at you, uh, Yahtzee, with your uh, yep. references to it. So, so what made you decide to ultimately pull the trigger and play it? It was on sale. I, I hate to say that that was the thing that it took for me after all this time, but it is four years after this game came out originally on the Switch. And so I was just looking for things. I had a little bit of leftover coins in my Switch account. And I was like, what's a thing that I am interested in? And Gree was always something that I thought there was something to it, right? Whatever people can say about it, and Yahtzee is definitely the person I'm thinking of when I think about uh, the critics who called it pretentious or whatnot. Uh, there, it is gorgeous. You look at these screenshots and you're like, this is one of the most beautiful games I've ever seen in my life. Like, there has to be something here, something worth exploring, something that has something that it wants to say. And if it's, like, a few bucks, well, why not give it a shot? And going through my, my list of games, you know, I wanted to pick a couple things that were on the relatively shorter side so that I could cross some things off the list and have some good games stored up for the podcast so I could really invest in some of these longer games that I plan to talk about. And 
it surpassed all of my expectations. Just from the moment that it started, I was hooked and fascinated with where it was going to take me. And it just builds you up slowly but surely over time. It trusts you to be able to follow what it is it's ultimately trying to say um, and does a really good job of giving you these set pieces that allow you to explore these different parts of grief. You know, by the time you realize that the statue that was holding her up at the start of the game was her mom and that the singing that she was unable to do anymore at the start of the game when her mom must have passed away, uh, that she finds her voice again and is able to bring color to the world as she finds the things worth fighting for and, and fights back against the personification of despair that serves as kind of a, a boss battle sequence across uh, these multiple different parts of the world that you explore. It's just really clever. And it does the thing that platformers need to do, right? If you're going to be a pure platformer, you need to, one, give people abilities that are interesting to use and that force you to engage with the world in a different way. And two, build upon those abilities in a way that feels satisfying to combine together by the end. And this game does a really good job of that. Um, once you finally surpassed that initial wave of grief in which you're barely able to walk forward, uh, eventually you gain the ability to become heavy and root yourself in. Uh, you know, you're not able to quite move forward the way you would want to yet, but you're able to hold yourself strong in the face of what the world is trying to throw at you. Eventually you get a double jump and you get the, the ability to traverse these kind of nature-focused environments in order to uh, just kind of build some amount of momentum underneath you before being attacked by this giant bird that's trying to, to blow you backwards. You have to remember to use that stone to hold yourself up against the despair that it's trying to throw at you. And then you're forced underwater where you have to swim against this beast that is coming towards you. But you're reminded that you're not alone because you have this turtle spirit who's willing to look out for you because grief is not a thing you have to go through alone, no matter how isolating it can feel and how desolate the land can, can be around you. And at every single one of these points, you are both unlocking colors to bring back into the world, which allow for even more stunning vistas than what you initially take in. But you're also gaining this sense that you're not nearly as alone as you felt like you were. And there's something really beautiful about that. It's, it's not about pretending that you're not hurting because even at the end your protagonist gives herself the space to cry and to grieve but it is a game about learning how to move forwards anyway a game about finding the joy and finding the beauty that the world has to offer even as you miss somebody who meant so much to you and there's something really fucking beautiful about that. 
and and the theming combined with the visuals leads to an experience that's just it it feels so much more important than what is essentially a pretty standard platformer uh, should feel. And and that's so much the artistic vision and the creative design of, of this team that deserves all the credit in the world for for making the most out of every ounce of of uh, design that they had. It is very, very beautiful to look at. If you look at the screenshots that, you know, I have Steam pulled up right now. So looking through the screenshots as they sort of slide show their way through. It is a gorgeous game. I know from, again, back 2018 when it was winning awards and was the uh, discussion of everyone. I know the soundtrack was just excellent. Why do you think that it sort of earned this reputation for pretentiousness or is it just that like the person didn't like it so they had to come up with some kind of an excuse and because it discusses emotions in such a uh, a vibrant vivid uh, direct kind of way that that sort of gets shrugged off as well like oh you're just performing therapy that's pretentious in a video game yeah there's you know i i understand why people like yahtzee would would see the pretension in it because it is a game that is ultimately just about your feelings there isn't any dialogue in this there isn't a larger plot beyond just trying to navigate grief but that's the whole point is is how much grief can overwhelm you and prevent you from seeing all of these other bits prevent you from being able to see the world for what it is and it's just so it it strips you down to the bare essentials of what a game like this needs and matches it with stunning visuals every step of the way i i don't know it, it's like i don't know what more people could have wanted because if you're arguing that like from a game perspective it doesn't hold up as cleanly as it should i will fight back against that premise wholeheartedly. The level design of this game is fantastic. The way that it asks you to link all these different abilities together and rewards you for exploring in these different directions. Like, I'm not going to claim that I 100% of this game because like you, I was here for the story and the experience. I wasn't here to cross things off a list. I don't think that's the main, that Gree was meant to be played, though there is a cutscene that I did look up because you do get a, a special reward uh, if you do so. But it all felt really smooth. It all felt like you were ultimately getting the most out of these individual elements. And it was really satisfying to play through. I'll admit, I'm not great at this kind of game. I always really like it, but I don't find I have the patience for it as much as I would like. Uh, so I did have to have my roommate help me see a couple bits that I was not able to figure out on my own. And there were definitely a couple points in which I was like, I don't understand what I was meant to do or where I was meant to go next. But it doesn't matter. It, like, what it gives you and where it leads you is so much more valuable than those little, like, hiccups I could point to. And those hiccups were mostly just me not being great at the genre. It was 
once I was I could figure out what it was I was meant to do, it all made sense and it all really rewarded me for using these few elements, these really well selected mechanics that reinforced the themes that it had and used it to create some levels that felt so smooth and so clean. And by the last chapter, when you're you're swimming through and jumping up in the air before gravity would reverse, so you'd have to work on this thing from the other side and constantly work between these two elements to get everything just right so you could collect a star to light up the sky again. Like, I, games can be so much more. You know, this this is a game that believes that games can explore these kinds of dark but beautiful themes and just have that be enough. And it is. I, I, there's nothing more I wanted from this game. Uh, I, I just, sometimes that extra bit of focus really does just make the difference. Well, that sort of is like how processing grief works right there is no one singular correct way to to process grief there's no one solution um how how you and i you know process loss or failure or you know any of these sort of negative emotions are, are going to be completely different and i think that might be part of the game is that if something did you know trip you up if you did have to stop and try and figure something out and and get a second set of eyes to look at or or go seek help or or whatever like that kind of builds into that theme of like hey it's kind of okay not to just like run through this game in like 30 seconds and just be completely done with it because that's not how the grieving process works it is not a short thing and even if maybe in the moment at the very beginning you are able to sort of push it off and, and, you know, hold it at bay. Um, I, I, you know, think of the, the loss of my grandmother when I was, you know, probably 11 or 12. And while in that moment, she was someone who had suffered from a, a number of debilitating strokes. And for the most part of, of my young life, I had known her as somebody that was wheelchair and bed bound. And despite the fact that maybe in that moment, it didn't have this very harsh visceral effect Ultimately, it's part of the reason why in my you know later teen years, I stopped going to church. I stopped being religious and instead found identity more in you know atheism and agnosticism just because I couldn't believe that there would be an almighty being that would allow someone to suffer in a way. This is not a theo- you know theology podcast. This is a personal experience. So I find that that probably added to the experience, or at least for me, it probably would if I, I was taking it from this very, uh, you know, understanding what the story was and that it is supposed to be the story of emotion. Um, besides those little hiccups, was there anything else that you would change about it or, you know, that you would fix or you wanted, you know, maybe done a little bit better? You know, I, I think the only thing I could say is that um, the first half of the levels, I think, made the uh, paths towards getting those extra collectibles a lot easier. I, I, I think that I went from, in the first half of the game, unlocking nearly every extra thing because my instinct was to explore everything, and therefore I found all of these extra bits, 
to towards the end of the game, I didn't feel like my desire to interact with everything had changed, but the path that I thought would lead me in this side direction actually ended up being the main path. And so again, that's one of those, like, I don't know if that's a me thing or if that's a level design thing. I think when you're trying to do this more minimalist element and making sure you're stripping away everything that doesn't directly reinforce the theme of your game, I, I think it's kind of inevitable. But other than that, you know, there are two games about grief that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. And I, I go between this and I think about Spiritfarer, which is a game I haven't talked about on the podcast, though one day I will, because one day I'm going to feel a need to explore that emotion again, and I'm going to play through it again with the DLC that did not exist when I first played it. And that is a game that is all about bringing souls into the afterlife. Uh, these beings that kind of come in to your ship and you help them uh, better understand themselves and come to peace with their world before you send them off to pass on to the next life. And that game is much more story-driven, right? It's much more about these individual characters and the lives that they lived and their flaws and their the things that made them human. This is much more of a singular adventure in which the only beings that you run into are rocks that will like pick up and show these like weird legs that will move you across and help you on your journey or that turtle spirit that helps save you from the despair trying to swallow you up in the fourth chapter. It's much more of a singular experience rather than one that is trying to cover the spectrum of what grief can be when put in process. And I think it's just two different genres of games trying to accomplish two different styles of, of things. Um, as someone who is a writer who is very driven by characters as the things that I tend to latch onto, I will admit that Spiritfarer, if I had to pick one game about grief, that would probably be the one that I would turn to. But when I think about the most beautiful video games I've ever played, the most visually stunning, the most entrancing, I don't think I have played a game before and looked to the person I was playing with and said, that was entrancing. That was just captivating and beautiful and engrossing the way that Gree was. The moments that Gree creates are going to stick with me. And the visuals are obviously a huge part of it because I cannot stress enough how fucking gorgeous this game is. But it is gorgeous in a way that reinforces these larger themes, and it's gonna stick with me. I don't feel a need to play it again. And maybe there are things that could be done to make me more interested in playing it again. But it's an experience unlike any other that I've had in gaming, and I'm thankful that I had it. Which, to, to answer your, your next question is, of course, I would recommend this game. It's, it's, it's something else, man. 
So you clearly hated it. That's that's what you're <laughs> it was a waste of time. Don't don't bother. Yeah, just listen to all the critics who called it pretentious and thought that it was trying too hard. Because how dare anyone be honest and vulnerable and have a theme that it wants to explore from a pure raw emotional standpoint, rather than wanting to just. I, I guess do the thing that every other game does. Like I don't know. I I I am stunned that the reception I had been told about this game was so different from what the actual experience of playing it was. And maybe the answer is I just like pretentious shit. Like if you end up playing this game and you're like, Chase, you really sold me on this, and I feel like it was just a whole bunch of colors and, and vistas being thrown at me without living up to whatever like i'm sure there are people for whom that's going to be the case but if you have been interested in this game or you are interested in the kind of game that i am describing and you have been told mixed things or, or maybe even simply haven't been told anything at all because outside of some indie game awards that it won for its visual design creative design and, and whatnot it kind of was there in 2018 and then fell off the radar. Fix it. It's not too late to play. It's very cheap as of right now because it's been out for as many years as it has been. Uh, If you were to go get it on the Nintendo Switch right now, at full price, it is 17 bucks. It is often on sale because games that have been around as long as it has often are. And I got to tell you, you're not going to play anything quite like it. There's nothing else that I have played that made me feel the things that this game made me feel in the way that it made me feel them. And if that's not the purpose of doing a podcast like this and getting a chance to build in all these new and different experiences, I don't know. That's why I love gaming. I love when gaming can do things like that. And just catch me entirely off guard. So I highly recommend it. I, I'm I think both Walter and I have I've given you some short games that have a lot to offer, and I think you should let us know what you think about these games. Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? Well, see, you guys uh, can find me at C80s underscore LOL. Uh, what is your favorite cat? I won't uh, I won't I won't go any further. I don't care type. What, what's your favorite cat? Uh, that being said, you guys can also follow the podcast at Rough Drafts Pod. Uh, follow us on your podcast platform of choice. And as always, you guys can choose whether you want just the gaming podcast, Steam Cleaners, whether you want just the movie podcast, Final Cut, or whether you want them all bundled together. Uh, they do come out you know, once a week, and we alternate which weeks you get which one. You guys can find us uh, at Rough Drafts Podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Absolutely. You can find me at Chase Wassner on Twitter. And you can find us two weeks from now when we'll be talking about two entirely different games, uh, including me revisiting one that I have not uh, gone to in a long time. I'm, I'm sticking with the older games for a bit, Walter, and I'm very curious to see uh, where you come down. But until then, goodbye, Internet. <laughs>